0: Hey there, welcome to the Foundations of Biblical Eldership course. My name is Corey Williams. This is session four. In this session, we're going to be looking at the metaphor of shepherding. So when we think about elders, there's a call, and we saw this in 1 Peter chapter 5, to the elders among you, I appeal to you, and here's what he says, be shepherds of God's flock. So this is the activity or the responsibility of eldership. So we're kind of answering the question of what do elders do? Now, this will not be an exhaustive study, but it will give us big categories to think through the activities of eldering. So before we jump in, let me go ahead and share with you a few different resources that I think if you're interested in double clicking on this subject and learning more, these few uh, books will be helpful to you. Um, The first one is LEAD. And this is by uh, Larry Osborne. He's a pastor, a leader, a conference speaker, an author, and his books are really, really good. They're fun to read. They're provocative in the sense that they make you think about things in a different way. uh, That's very helpful. And so in this book here, he's dealing with the subject of leadership through the lens of that metaphor of shepherding. So it's called Lead Like a Shepherd, The Secret to Leading Well. This is a popular level book. It's very easy and engaging. And if you pick this up, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Let me show you another resource. And this one's more academic. This is by Timothy Laniac. And this is called Shepherds After My Own Heart. This is a biblical theology of shepherds as presented in the scriptures. So this is more academic. But uh, Laniac comes at it from all these different Uh, perspectives given in in Scripture, and it really, uh, if you're into this sort of read, this will be a good one just to kind of firm up your understanding of what the Bible actually says about the metaphor itself. Um, So this is a good one. This is more of a heavy-duty book, so I don't don't recommend it to the ordinary reader, but if you're inclined, uh, that's also a good one. Uh, The one that I think is very, very valuable is this one right here. Um, this one will connect the dots in a plain and simple way. Um, this is by Timothy Whitmer. It's called The Shepherd Leader, Achieving Effective Shepherding in Your Church. This is a, this is a great book. Um, I've learned a lot from it. A lot of, kind of the ideas that I have about shepherding in the local church have probably come from this book here. Um, so this is a great one. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's very readable, very accessible. He's got some interesting paradigms. I might share them. Uh, with you as we go through this this session together. Well, in order to do this, what I'd like to do is take you to Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. So it's an Old Testament passage. It's God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, and he's rebuking the shepherds. And shepherds are used uh, in a variety of different ways, but mainly when the Bible uses the word shepherd, it's talking about this category of leadership. And so, there can be um, civil leaders that are considered shepherds. Uh, Spiritual leaders, for sure, are often called shepherds, and that's what we find in the New Testament with elders. Um, But even God Himself takes on that mantle of being the shepherd of His people. So, Ezekiel 34, God is rebuking the shepherds who are unfaithful in their task. And then He's showing us what He really desires for the office of leadership. So. Let's read uh, Ezekiel 34, verses 1 to 10. We'll pray, and then we'll get to work. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals but you do not take care of the flock. You've not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will remove them from tending the flock. So that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them." Let's pray. Lord, we ask right now as we consider this call to shepherding, would you help us to clearly understand the priorities that you have given to spiritual leaders. Help us to understand the work that we are to engage in, and then give us the courage and the strength to go about that work with diligence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let me give you some big-picture observations, and then what we'll do is we'll actually kind of drill down on a handful of the tasks or the um, themes that arrive or show up, arise in um, this metaphor of shepherding. So three uh, big-picture observations. First, when you read Ezekiel chapter 34, one of the things that should stand out to you in a prominent way is that God has a commitment to His flock. When you think about the people that are under your care, they do do not belong to you, they belong to God. So, He is committed to His flock and He emphasizes that over and over and over again. You see it in the language throughout, but let me just point it out. He claims ownership of the flock. Verse 6, my sheep, he's saying my sheep have wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. So he's saying you had a responsibility to care for my flock and you failed. Therefore, they're scattered. Verse 8, he says my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered. So the people are His. They belong to Him. Verse 8, He says, My shepherds, so these are the people He has appointed to the task, but they did not search for My flock. This is, again, God speaking. He says, but rather they cared for themselves instead of caring for the flock. He says, for My flock. And so over and over and over again, in these um, handful of verses, we're being reminded that God is committed to His people. Verse 10 says, I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. Even the remainder of the chapter goes on to reiterate God's commitment to his people. Well, this also showed up in a previous session. If you remember uh, our sermon on Acts chapter 20, um, the shepherds were called to take care and oversee God's flock. This is how it's put in Acts 20, 28. To the elders, it's saying, be shepherds of the church of God. And then it says, which he bought with his own blood. So the first big observation is God has a commitment to his people. The people that are within the church are God's people, and they are a blood-bought people. God cares deeply for them shepherds are entrusted with the sacred task of giving oversight and direction and care to the flock the second big picture observation is that those who have been entrusted with this responsibility are accountable for it so if you're called to eldership you are accountable to be performing this task so god is calling the shepherds in ezekiel chapter 34 and he is saying i will hold you responsible. My flock is not doing well. It is on account of your failed leadership. So verse 10, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I'm against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. So if you're stepping into eldership, you need to know you are becoming accountable for the condition of the flock. Now, the condition of the flock is largely related to how well we can do our job. And we'll look at what the job is, but you are accountable for the flock. That's the thing that you need to understand here. Now, the New Testament uh, holds this viewpoint as well. It tells us that leaders are those who are accountable. Hebrews 13, 17 comes to mind, where it's telling the people to have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you. So there's that oversight piece they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So spiritual leaders are accountable people. If you have been entrusted with leadership of God's flock, you are accountable that the task is being done with faithfulness. Okay. So the failure of of shepherds was that they were not doing their job and they were being held accountable for it. They were instead of benefiting the the flock itself, they were doing leadership in their own self-interest. They cared for themselves, they took advantage of the flock, they neglected the flock, um, and and therefore God was calling them to account. So we want to do the job of eldership and shepherding in a way that actually is faithful. We want to care for. And be self-sacrificial for the good of the flock. That's what the call to faithful shepherding is. It's it's being called into a leadership position for the benefit of God's own people. All right. Here's the third big observation, um, and it, and it's this: God has a plan for for fulfilling the shepherding needs. So. The shepherds in Ezekiel 34 are failing in the task. Well, the whole chapter actually tells us God is going to step in. He is so committed to the good of his people that even if the spiritual leaders don't do their job, God commits himself to it. And he says, I will rescue them. I will search for the lost. I will gather them back in. I will lead them to green pastures. And I will allow for them to lie down in peace and security. They will find blessing under God's own leadership. So look again at verse 10. This is God's plan for fulfilling the shepherding needs. He says, I will remove the unfaithful shepherds from tending the flock so that they can no longer abuse the flock. They can no longer feed themselves I will rescue my flock from the mouths of those unfaithful shepherds, and it will no longer be food for them. He goes on in verses 11 to 22 to speak of that rescue, to speak of how he's going to um, bind up the, the wounded, and he's going to um, care for every individual sheep in the flock. And, um, and then finally, he tells us this incredible promise that he is going to appoint a faithful shepherd verses uh, 23 and 24 I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them and be their shepherd. the Lord will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I the Lord have spoken Well this is that that this is that messianic promise that spiritual leadership is coming and do you know who fulfills that? I'm sure you do It's the Lord himself. Jesus says of his own ministry, I am the good shepherd. So he takes that mantle on himself and he says, look, I am the one who has come to fulfill that promise that was given through Ezekiel. And I am that one. And so he's coming to gather in his flock. So uh, the result of that then, God's plan for fulfilling the shepherding needs is that the people will flourish. They will experience peace and prosperity. You see that at the end of the chapter, in verses 25 to 31, uh, there will be a covenant of peace with the flock, and the land will be rid of savage beasts, so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. So God is making this incredible promise of His ability to lead His people into peace and prosperity. So, when we zoom out and we think about these big commitments of God, He cares deeply about the people because they're his. Um, Those who are appointed into leadership are accountable to do that job accordingly. And finally, God is so committed to this task that he's willing to send the good shepherd to lay down his life for the flock. So clearly, elders who are called to shepherd in line with what the scripture presents are called to do their job with faithfulness and diligence and with self sacrifice, much like our Lord himself, laid down his life for the flock. So let's now talk about what shepherds do. Now, when you look at Ezekiel 34, you you begin to discern some big categories for what shepherds are called to do. Now, I'm going to outline four different things, and these are pretty standard categories when you think about the, the metaphor. Uh, it doesn't get everything, but at least it gets us started in thinking about what shepherds need to do. <clears throat> so, as you uh, begin, let's say your eldering ministry, these categories need to show up. These four different things are given to you as priorities for the activity of shepherding. And um, well, let's just get after it. Let's get after these these uh, four different categories of activity. In regard to shepherding. The first, I would say, is care. And um, that idea shows up in the NIV in verse 2. It says, um, it's speaking negatively about the shepherds, You, you only care for yourselves. And then he says, should not shepherds take care of the flock? And so there's this priority that God has given that elders should be caring for the flock. Now, in truthfulness, the word that's translated there is kind of a generic term, and so it's translated in different ways. In fact, in uh, I would I would think like the um, ESV version, a, a more literal translation, or the older one of the King James version, that's very literal. I think it's probably translated as feed, okay, which we're going to look at in just a moment. But really, when you start to look at the actual word itself is kind of a generic term. It's kind of a word that includes feeding for sure, but really it's just the the same word for shepherding. So, you know, there's a reason why they didn't translate it like this, but um, basically it could have been translated, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only shepherd yourselves. Should not shepherds shepherd the flock. Now you understand why they didn't translate it that way. There's a, that's very redundant. But it is that general or generic term for caring for a flock. And so I think it's important for us to understand that the emphasis here is the well being of the flock. Shepherds are supposed to be consumed with the good of those under their care. And the shepherds here in Ezekiel 34 are negligent of that. So, what we find then is that instead of them caring for the flock and diligently pursuing them and leading them and feeding them and protecting them and doing all these other things that we'll get into in a few moments, instead you find the flock neglected. You find them scattered. You find them abused and harassed and injured and troubled. And so this uh, first thing that I'm pointing out is that elders need to care for the flock. It needs to be a priority to them that that we would think about actual people and want what's best for them. God in um, verse 31 says, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. So he wants them to have this relationship with himself. And he is so committed to this priority that that they are going to be in a relationship with him. They're my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. Well, the point that I'm trying to make here is that shepherds then who are doing the job faithfully should be doing the very best that they can to know individuals, to know people, to have a relationship with real people, and to want them to have a healthy relationship with God. So here's what I'm saying. You cannot pastor in the abstract. You cannot shepherd in the abstract. Shepherding is a call to knowing specific people and caring for specific individuals. We we want to know them. We want to we care for them, not just kind of like, oh, I I I care for you, but I want to know what's really going on with you. I want to know your name. I want to know your story. I want to know. Um, how you're wired, the spiritual giftedness that God has given to you, the particular struggles that you might have. I want to know you. And that's what Jesus is, is very uh, pointedly saying in John chapter 10. He's, when, he, when he takes on that mantle of being the good shepherd, he puts it like this. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So knowing is a part of caring. And that's what I'm trying to underline here knowing is a part of caring. Um and so you want to care for the flock. You want to you, you want to be if you're going to lose sleep at at night, lose sleep over specific individuals within the church. Think about them, care about them, be concerned for them and know them. Know what's going on with them. Know know their story. Timothy Laniak, I I showed you his academic book, but he also wrote um Basically, it was a book on uh, observing actual shepherds in the Middle East. And he wrote a book on their practices and what they would do uh, with literal shepherds, with literal sheep, and he drew out some significant lessons for pastoral leadership. But in that book, he talks about the awareness of shepherds with the actual sheep. And they're not just a flock and it doesn't matter, and there's not individuals within it. No, shepherds know each individual sheep. And so it's put like this in his book. He said, sheep know that they belong to a shepherd. They're named, known, and counted every day. A real shepherd in the Middle East with real sheep knows every single member of his flock. He sees them for who they are, he understands their unique temperaments, he understands their unique situation, and he specifically cares for each member of the flock in appropriate ways. So, a real shepherding ministry will be concerned with caring for individual members of the flock. So, there are lots of things that we need to do to try to get better and better at this, but certainly as we think about what what does it mean to, to be an elder, and to shepherd God's flock, it means to care. It means to take the time and the trouble to get to know every individual who's a part of the flock. Well, secondly, um, there's a call to feed the flock. So, um, as I already noted in the in the opening verses, the in some translations it's simply saying shepherds should feed the flock because that's such a significant part of the shepherding task. Um, but it, it's spelled out uh, further down in verses 14 and 15. When God is saying what he's going to do for the flock, he indicates that he's going to bring them to places where they can be well fed. So look at verses 14 and 15. I speak, God speaking, I will tend them in a good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land. And there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. He's saying, I'm going to take them to places where they can be well fed and nourished. Now, what does that mean? So if we're talking about, you know, eldership and we're talking about feeding the flock, what does that mean exactly? Because we need to take it from the realm of metaphor to a very specific application. Well, the Bible helps us do that. When when we think about feeding, there's a specific uh, correlation between um, eating and the Word of God. So, Deuteronomy 8 is a good place to find this, and the Lord Himself quotes it in Luke 4. But Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 reads like this, "...man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord." So the connection is made there for us. Here's what we, what we mean when we talk about feeding God's people. There's a principle here that humanity needs the Word of God. So the call to shepherd is the call to place people in environments, good pastures where they can be nourished on the Word of the Lord. That connection is made in the Acts 20 text that we looked at in a previous section session, I'm sorry, Um, when Paul was speaking to the elders there, he is thinking through these different realities and he's saying, I didn't hesitate to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I taught you publicly and from house to house. And then further down in verses 27 and 28, "I, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And then he connects the dots. So there's a preaching and teaching ministry that's on his mind, But then it goes very naturally and and just, you know, without hesitation. It goes right from that teaching ministry to the shepherding metaphor. So, I did not hesitate to proclaim to you the whole will of God. That's teaching and preaching. And then he says, verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. So that teaching ministry is the feeding ministry of the flock. The teaching ministry is how we feed God's people. So shepherds need to nourish the people of God with the truth from God's Word. With truth from God's Word. So we need to ensure that the people are well fed. And that means that um, we have a responsibility then to ensure that there's this comprehensive diet given to the flock. That the people are getting what they need. We, um, in my household, we, we just got a puppy. She's maybe 10 weeks old at the time of the recording of this session, but um, it, it's got me thinking a little bit about diet, and it's got me thinking about nourishment and maturity. So a 10-week-old ten, a ten puppy, um, there's a particular diet that this puppy needs, and so we feed it, and you know there, there's a proportion that we give To the puppy and we were doing it one way and then you know we further consideration we decided this puppy needs um, smaller meals more frequently that in order for the puppy to be getting all the nutrients that it needs we need to give it smaller meals more frequently and so we went from feeding the the puppy twice to feeding the puppy three times and then maybe as the puppy gets older we'll go back to two meals a day one in the morning and one in the early evening, but there's this reality that that got me thinking about. This is this is how shepherds should think. That when we look at the flock, we're thinking about quantity. We're thinking about where is it that our flock is getting nourishment from. Um, how much do they need? Uh, are they getting it in an appropriate, you know an appropriate kind of meal schedule of like how often are they interacting with this and and we need to be thinking about all these different things because um you know obviously what we want is for people to grow in maturity and then we want them to be eating the kind of things that that make them healthy um we want to avoid stuff that would make them sick and so with our puppy we're we're careful that she's not eating from the table that she's not eating human food that could upset her tummy as she goes outside and she's chewing on all kinds of different things. We're paying attention to the stuff that she's considering eating and we're trying to prevent her from eating things that would make her sick or unhealthy. Um, in the same way, shepherds should be so concerned with the flock that we're thinking through, how do we ensure that the, that they're getting what they need to grow in maturity? Now, the New Testament um, it uses this analogy in other places also. It talks about how uh, let's say in Hebrews, I, I believe, it talks about uh, this, this desire for people to be mature in their diet, that they might be on milk, but they should be on, let's say, meat. And there's this concern, and it's shared in multiple places in the New Testament, and it even puts it like this. You ought to be dieting on something more substantial, but I still have to revisit the elementary stuff, the, the milk stuff, the stuff that infants need. Well, shepherds do that. We think in in those terms. We think about what is it that the flock needs to ensure their growth. And that means that I can't just talk about what I prefer or what I think would be beneficial for me. But I need to be thinking about what is it that the flock needs and how can we ensure that we have designed the teaching ministries of the church to deliver that nourishment for them. And are we careful with their diet so that they're getting what's healthy and making them stronger? And are we preventing them from snacking on unhealthy things that could lead to harm or complications? So shepherds need to be careful about the teaching ministry of the church because we are called to feed the flock. A third category is the category of leadership. Shepherds are called to lead. And um, it's not as uh, pointed in our text here, uh, but, I, but I do think if you look at the shepherding metaphor and all the different places it shows up in Scripture, you understand that shepherds, one of the primary things that they need to do is to lead the flock, to lead the flock where it needs to go. Um, so God, in Ezekiel 34 verses 13 and 14, he, this kind of gets at it. He says, I'll bring them out of the nations, And I'll gather them from the countries and I'll bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. So God is going to lead the people where they need to go. So leadership, let's just tease this out a little bit. Leadership involves things like this. It involves having the best interest of the flock in mind. Um, Obviously there's overlap with care and um, feeding, but leadership means I'm gonna be thinking strategically about how to get the flock to the place that's gonna be most beneficial for them. I wanna lead them to places where they're going to flourish. I wanna lead them into good and lush and green pastures and places of peace. And I want to protect them along the way um, from any threat or danger or harm. And everything should be coordinated so that the the entire flock arrives safely together. Uh, This will be a big concern as we think about the straying sheep, those that have wandered off. And there's a necessity for the good shepherd to go after the wandering sheep. Um, There's also a necessity to go after the what what we might even call the wild sheep, those who aren't uh, a part of the flock yet. And in fact, you know, there's these unclaimed sheep, and the shepherding metaphor encourages us, if we're good shepherds, we're going to try to bring them into the fold. We're going to do what we can to tell them the good news of the good shepherd and invite them into the experience of being a part of the flock. Timothy Laniac, he puts it like this, evangelism is a natural expression of the shepherd's commitment to the whole flock of God, especially those who have not yet found their true home. So as there are sheep that have not been brought in yet to the fold, we want to we lead the flock um, to be able to gladly receive those individuals into the community of faith. And we want to be committed as good shepherds to going after those who are far from God. We also want to care for the sick and the injured and the weak. Verses 4 and 5, you've not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. A part of leadership is saying, if there's a weak individual or a sick individual or a straying individual, we're going to appropriately pursue them and care for them. We're gonna we're gonna go after them because leadership, good leadership, is saying, I want everybody who has been entrusted to me to arrive safely together at the destination that God has given to us. And so, good leaders will be uh, attentive to the needs of individuals within the flock. Uh, we don't want to be the kind of harsh leaders that are driving the flock forward and saying, we, we're going there and that's where God wants us. And if you're slow or weak or lazy and you get left behind, that's on you. No, no, no. This reminds us that good leadership is caring for every individual member of the flock and then coordinating all the efforts so that all the members of the flock are on board with sticking together and caring for one another and looking after each other and arriving safely where we need to go. So, leadership is... A very, very important concept. The church is dependent upon it. That's why eldership is so important. But as we think about eldership, we should be using this metaphor of shepherding to, to properly understand what it means to lead God's people. All right, fourth, the last one is that we have a call to protect the flock. We have a call to protect the flock. Now, there are external threats, there are things that threaten the flock from outside. Um, for instance, they're, they're threatened by, um, if they're wandering from the fray, if they're wandering from the safety of being together, uh, they can experience isolation and they can experience being scattered. People who are not committed to the local church or only marginally committed to it, and then they begin to drift from it. Well, there's a danger associated to that. <clears throat> Good shepherds should be attentive. And we want to do what we can to try to corral them in and and fold them in and keep them in and and care for them uh, with the rest of the flock. So we want to be careful about this idea of isolation or scattering. The unfaithful shepherds did not do this well. There's another threat that they might not receive proper nourishment. And so we want to not only have them together, but we want to have them together feeding and feasting on the Word of God. We don't want them to be um, malnourished or or unable to get the proper nutrients that they need. And so we need to be thinking through what does the flock need so that they're benefiting from the leadership of it. Another threat would be the wild beasts. As they're out there on their own, there are ravenous beasts that want to do harm to the flock. And so there is a threat there. Um, And also... um, the, yeah, there are, there are wild beasts who will eat them. And so there are all kinds of external threats and in the church. What we're talking about is people who uh, dissociate with the flock or find themselves with false teachers um, who are called in the New Testament ravenous. And they find themselves being um, eaten alive, so to speak, by the false teachers. Well, there are internal threats also. And those internal threats are are very interesting. Um, I've been thinking about it this week in preparation for this session, but the internal threats are really a reflection of the poor leadership. So the shepherds aren't doing their job, but that actually has an effect on the culture of the flock. And so in Ezekiel 34, um, what we find is that the, the flock itself becomes conflicted. And so within the flock, because there's not a a harmonious leadership with them, they begin to fight each other. And um, there are rams and goats, and they are abusing one another. Um, There are stronger members of the flock that are doing harm to the weaker members, and there's, there's infighting. And certainly you can understand how that plays out in the church. But this is what God says in verse 17, As for you, my flock... This is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will judge between one sheep and another, and between rams and goats. God is able to discern within the flock itself the distinctions between different individuals. And he's able to say, look, some of you are acting inappropriately for your own self-interest. The shepherds were dealing with you neglectfully for their own self-interest. They were looking at you mainly as a means to their end. And then he looks at the flock and he says, but listen, you guys are doing a very similar thing. Some of you are abusing other members of the flock for your own gain. And God says, I will judge between you. In fact, in verses 20 and following, it reads like this. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them, to the flock that's divided. He says, see, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you shove with flank and shoulder, budding all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away. I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. And actually uh, in the middle there, between the verses that we looked at, it talks about the 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 abusive sheep and they, they're taking advantage and benefiting themselves and they're muddying the water for everyone else. And And people are 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 struggling then and I think that you can understand this is a toxic church culture when individuals within the church are are abusing one another and they're doing it for their own self-interest they're promoting their own ministries they're promoting their own platforms they're trying to gather people to themselves for their own reasons and all of that is very unhealthy good shepherds are leading the people well and they are protecting the flock even from itself. So good shepherds are having those hard conversations and saying to people, look, what you're doing is like a sheep who is shouldering and shoving and abusing the weaker people within within the congregation. And you're muddying the waters for others who, who need help along the way. And you're doing things in self-interest and and it's doing harm to God's people. And so we need to protect from external threats, but we also need to protect from internal threats as well. So elders, you are called to shepherd God's flock. That means that you're called to sacrificially serve them. You're called to reject self-interest. You're called to think about your authority really in terms of how can you benefit other people by being a steward of God's care for them, helping them to experience God through your leadership. You should be doing everything for the benefit of the people with the authority and the responsibility that has been laid upon you. That will involve doing work. That work will show up in four different ways as we've outlined. That work will involve caring for the sheep, um, loving them, knowing them, getting to know them better and better, uh, personalizing the care that they need, and things like that. It will involve feeding the sheep, using the word of God to help them grow into maturity and Christ-likeness. We need to be leading the sheep. We need to be organizing our efforts and thinking about you know, strategies and things that can help the flock to arrive to the destination that God wants for them, but to do that together. And finally, we need to protect the sheep. There are threats that are external and internal, and good shepherds need to be careful that we are tending to the dangers that are resident with being a sheep. And so, as we close out, let me cite this verse to you again. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. To the elders, be shepherds and do your job well. Amen.